to do. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Environmental Podcast. Yeah, yeah, this is our podcast where we investigate different aspects of sustainability. We choose a topic every month and we do a deep dive. Hmm. Yes. This month we are talking about renewable energy and the renewable transition. Yes. And we are in the midst of doing our research. Mm-hmm. And so this week we actually read a book. We're going to talk about yeah. it. Yeah, it's called The Carbon Boycott, and it was by Samuel Avery, who we're just basically calling Sam. <laughs> um, he and we actually have we have, we have different opinions about this book this time whereas you know (laughs) previously we've mostly agreed I think but I think this this month we've had we have a different opinion about our book choice I mean yes I think we yeah um I'm I'm I want to withhold my own judgment though because I do think that my opinion of the book is really just is informed by the other work that we've been doing that had like like in researching you know fossil fuel industry we've just been yeah doing this for you know and, and researching this for several weeks now so as an individual yeah I was just sort of as I was, I don't know, unfortunately underwhelmed, I guess is the, the, the answer or is the terminology, but it, that's not to say that this book is underwhelming, you know, yeah. In, inherently, like yeah. I just didn't really super vibe. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> I, I liked aspects absolutely and it was like yeah but um I loved this book mm-hmm. um I felt like in the beginning in the first like couple of chapters I had the same feeling that you did where I was like this is shit I know it's mm-hmm. very nicely laid out but this is this is stuff I've been that we've been researching and so recently have been researching and I felt tired from it. I was like, okay. And I found myself more of the same. Out. Yes, right. Yeah. It felt more of the same. But again, we've been doing this for a while and obsessing about it for a while. So, okay. Um, but, you know, after that, like, I really appreciated after the first couple of chapters where it was like, here's the overview of why I'm writing this book. Mm -hmm. I felt like excited to hear another person on the same page, right? Like this book felt so much like our previous conversations and it, it was so exciting for me to be like, okay, somebody else is looking at this in this interdisciplinary way. They are, they realize we don't have a global plan. We don't have one. This is shit mess. This is not cool, you know? Um, and 
I also feel like he's several steps ahead of where we are. Like we're on this trajectory kind of following Sam, but he's like a few steps ahead. He's like created this throughout this book. He's like real life update. And then he gives an update on what his committee is doing in his town of Louisville to transition them to a hundred percent renewable energy. And I appreciated that. I was like, okay, so this is, it felt more of a mentorship than like a aha kind of book to me. And I, I felt like that was nice. Yeah. Because of those like periodic updates that were more recent. Yeah. Yeah. The updates kind of the, the like, here's a fact. And then it would be like, and here's an example. And then here's an update on what to do on what we're doing. Yeah. And that felt like he was taking facts and then making it a blueprint for how to connect with a community that could try to enact change. And I, I like that. I, I like, as a person, I really like mentorships. I've had a lot, I've had a bunch in my life and I feel like the mentors that I've had have been so important to me. And I just, I got that vibe from this person that like would make a wonderful mentor. That is something I have missed out in my life. And I really want to have incorporated. I want, I want to incorporate, uh, is having a mentor. I've never experienced that. Um, and I think that I really, I absolutely would have benefited from that and still would. Um, so maybe that is, that's a different, yeah. If you could have a mentor, what would it be on? I mean, should we reach out to Sam and be like, can you mentor us? <laughs> um, I mean, my, I think my answer now would be quite different than maybe it would have been in my twenties, but mm-hmm. I, yeah, if I had a mentor now, it would be somebody who probably had also gone through the starting an agency, running their own business, probably a woman, I think, cause that's just cool. Um, and somebody who like, yeah, kind of, I think has either done something similar to our job or, uh, I guess, I don't, I don't really know. I don't know if they have to be somebody who works in your same industry. I don't know. I don't know how it works to be completely honest. I don't even know how somebody goes about getting a mentor. I've like, like, like is that an actual thing? Like, does the mentor know that they're being a mentor to you? Is that like, a I mean, they know, but I, I, I've never had like a mentorship that was like, I'll be your mentor. Like okay. it was always like a happenstance. It was always like, and it, and they've always, almost always been men. Hmm. Um, I like, I, I like learning from men because I feel like they don't have the fear they don't have they're not like institutionalized especially men that are older like they don't have that I don't know the I don't know they're they're they are the patriarchy so they don't they don't have the competence issue they don't have like all of the stuff they're just like this is how it is Mm -hmm. um 
I missed out on, I, I was never taught until about the patriarchy until I experienced it. Um, but because I've had male mentors forever, but it's always been like, um, I had a job with a guy. I'm going to call out Clarence because Clarence is the best mentor. Um, Clarence and Tony are the two ben- best mentors I've had. Tony is dead now. Um, he was my herb school mentor and he taught me how to make all of the medicine you see in this cabinet. And actually some of it is from him. I have some gifts from him. Um, he was incredible, incredibly healing and wonderful on my journey. Clarence, Clarence is just chilling in Lansing, Michigan being a fucking badass. Um, yeah, I mean, we, he just like, I was working at the tea house and we met and he just was kind of like, he gave me a gift and um, asked me if I wanted a job and I took the job, but, and ended up like staying with him for several years, just like being his, just learning his trade completely. And like, just being his like second, his right hand person, you know? Yeah. Okay. I love that. So it's like an, so it's an informal relationship, but it is based on kind of having work done work together kind of learning yeah from. so interesting yeah I don't know how people actually communicate I think that. you can also pay some <laughs> I think you can also pay you for can. yeah I don't really like that as much because then I'm just feel like a client of someone to like like I don't know if you actually have care right. about me <laughs> but maybe that's in my head <laughs> it's kind of both but like I mean we care about all of our clients right you know yeah of course yes yeah, but it's like a di- there's a difference between do- someone doing something out of like the goodness of their heart versus like this is my job, so I'll sit here and I'll do it, you know? Right. I mean, it was Tony's job. It was just also extra. Mm-hmm. Well, we did extra work together, kind of. It was like a, an above and beyond relationship. It was just okay. so, so great. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got this vibe from Sam and. Yeah. He's been doing it for a while. So he definitely, yeah, he, and he, so, and he works in the solar industry. Yes. Yeah. In Louisville, which is actually really interesting. I really, when I think of like a progressive place that's, you know, moving towards renewable energy, I don't think of Kentucky. So that's incredible, you know, really cool. Flyover states. Yeah. But I mean, that also makes sense. We don't think about, we, I mean, I'm from the Midwest, but we don't think about flyover states ever at all. You know? Sorry. I'm sorry, Kentucky. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Really cool stuff. <laughs> I'm not sorry. There's cool stuff happening everywhere. You know? Mm-hmm. That one, it was, this was a cool Midwestern story, but like, you know. It's fine. There's, there's, you know, there's, he talks about how there's a hundred cities that are dedicated to climate, that dedicated to renewables already. And this was in 2019. So I think that mm-hmm. there's more now, but how there's 100 cities that have dedicated to being renewable by 2030 or 2035. Mm-hmm. What I found really interesting was his distinction between like there being a um, like a dedication to it and then like a law about it. 
And he, and throughout this book, he gives these like updates and really all he's asking is for his state, his city to like say that they will try. And the, I, I love it because he was like, yeah, it was pushed back. There's not going to be a vote just over and over and over again. And he was like, we're just going to raise it again. It's no problem. I like, we've been doing this forever. It just takes time doing it over and over again. Yeah. Continuously showing up and for the same cause, just not giving up by even, even if you're getting pushback, Mm -hmm. which he very actively was. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it was a good example of like, he talks about boycotts being boring and like, it was a good example of like, yeah, this is, this is a boring thing because mm-hmm. you have to do that, do it over and over and over again. You have to be the weird one. You have to be like the one making these, the change and the one like focused on making this difference. And if you're not, you know, if you're not like being that person and just like stable in that person, then we're not going to get anywhere, but you have to like be the leader there. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, everybody will be like, why weren't we doing what you were doing the whole time? <laughs> right kind of like how people look at like yeah uh the civil rights movement and things like yeah. that and he gives some really really interesting examples I mean his first example is about the Boston Tea Party and then mm-hmm. it goes into um into the salt tax yeah India and Gandhi and yep. apartheid and then a bit about uh the bus boycott in in yep. um during the civil rights movement yeah all of which were really cool examples um because they're they are real first off <laughs> but they are all things that like similarly in some ways to fossil fuels so deeply ingrained in every aspect of society yeah and so those were I thought, yeah, I thought that those were really good examples because I think people living back then would probably feel the same way that people are feeling now, which is just sort of like, how can we even go about changing something that is so yeah, connected to everything that we do? Um, and there's a lot of fear in that change and, and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, I'd, I'd liked, I liked that those, I like those examples because they, it kind of, set the tone for like it's happened before but it's never been easy right never not going to be right maybe in my mind yeah I was sort of hoping that this this book would give more of like a here's the thing to do five step (laughs) yeah but that's not a reality, I suppose. And I suppose that's a really hard thing to expect one person to, to get. I mean, we have yet to find, there's yet to be a solution like that, right? I think part of what we're doing here is to understand the issue so that we can give solutions like that, especially to small businesses. Mm-hmm. Because like i don't fucking know what to do right i don't know how to solve this problem yeah he gives some some tangible examples for sure um and i think that those couple those examples which are like you know eating less meat 
um, trying to not purchase as much from the fossil fuel industry. And he kind of pairs those things that individuals can do while also talking about larger things like divesting mm-hmm. your, um, you know, if you have investments, like making sure that those investments are not in any way tied to fossil fuel industry. Um, and that combination of like larger divestments from an industry plus like individual pressure from boycotting from not no longer like monetarily supporting something are really kind of what's made those changes happen in the future so that was cool Mm -hmm. like that was like yeah I mean we have it has to be like a two-pronged approach I suppose yeah and then or a three-pronged approach because then you also need for as a person to two-pronged but then as a person like then moving into a community space where you start to I actually, after reading this, reached out to a friend of mine who is a Dutch man that like, I think could maybe help me start one of these communities or find a community that we could join together because I'm really interested in knowing like, where are we in our area and what can we change? And like, let's have these like conversations because I think he made these conversations feel really accessible. Hmm. He was like, he was like, just start it in your church club or in your book club, or for me, it would be my climbing club or whatever. A club that already exists that already like brings you together, just kind of bring it up and be like, so I'm also wondering if we can maybe start this movement or maybe start talking about like what we can do to not use as many fossil fuels. Cause the idea is that we need to boycott fossil fuels. I mean, that's the whole point. It's like, how can we do that? How can we stop putting money towards this thing that is ending, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and it's a good point. You know, he's like, the only reason why it's not happening, happening is because we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. we're still giving them money. We're, st- we're being like, we need to change. And then not doing, not making those changes in ourselves to like right. not drive, not eat meat, make sure our investments are going to positive places instead of this like fossil fuel issue. Right. And that's personally, but it's also citywide and countrywide it's global. And in order to, and every decision we make is a local decision. And it's so easy to look at a global issue and be like, I can't even, I I don't even know. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the reality is everything starts local. Everything has to start locally. Right. You know, even you were talking about in the apartheid part where that became a global issue And the way like by starting local and then all of a sudden the globe was divesting in South Africa. We were Mm -hmm. like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. Not doing it. So that's what we need to figure out how to do. And we need to do it within communities and we need to make like the community of Eindhoven and then the commu- and then like the community of Ventura, California. And then once those are happening within our space, then we can figure mm-hmm. out how to connect those two communities, right? Mm-hmm. Which will make it a global stance. 
it's complicated in theory yes but yeah but i think that like a point that he made that i that i did like was that you know so much of what goes of what the individual decision making is it it is tied to f- fossil fuels because like you know everything like how we power everything is things, run by fossil yeah. fuels you know getting in our car what we eat you know even if we're eating vegetables that there are still that's still like traditional agriculture still uses yeah. of, of fossil fuels and stuff like that and that there's a lot of these like invisible connections that like mm-hmm. we don't see because we are out of touch with how things are produced or made yeah. and and I thought that was a, a, a good point because I think that that's like the crux of where people feel like they don't know how to begin with their own personal changes. And it's because we're not seeing either yeah. side of it. We're not seeing the, the problematic beginnings of where our stuff comes from, nor the consequences yet you know? Right. And so like, we're in this point where people don't have to fully deal with it yet. You can still take the stance of like, that's not happening. Cause in my world, everything's fine. Right. And that's like, that's the challenging piece. I think when, when trying to grow right. this movement is getting folks to understand that every single one of those decisions is a place where you can choose to actively boycott fossil fuels if Mm -hmm. you put forth the effort to do so. Right. And creating like a structure for your life. Like look at the things, write down, I don't know, maybe this is so much, but the way I would approach it after reading this book, the way I would approach it is to write down all the stuff I buy and all the stuff I do Mm -hmm. in a week. And then just like trace back those things to where they come from. Yeah. And then be like, okay, what can I change about that? Mm-hmm. And it's especially interesting. You know, he's going, we need to, we need to do a, a carbon boycott right now. But he's also saying we need to do it the way we can over the next 20 years. Right. And he talks a lot. I appreciate that he talks a lot about access. He taught, he's not mm-hmm. just saying like, do it now. And right. yeah. even no matter what he does. And he talks about like solar, how, and this is a really good example, I think, because solar it's a, it's in its industry, it's in its infancy, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the tech, the tech behind solar will get so much better. They're like 25% or something efficient right now. Actually, interestingly, Tom is one of Tom's first projects for Lightyear was making solar panels more efficient. So you want to introduce Tom t- and Lightyear? Who are Tom and Tom, Lightyear? Oh, Tom. We say me every time. It's like these people fucking know. Tom is my boyfriend. Let's not and- assume. I don't know. <laughs> for our new audience, potentially, yeah. let's give some context. Yeah. Tom is my boyfriend and Lightyear is the solar car project that he is part of. Solar car project, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Revolutionary, honestly. It's, it is an, yeah, it is a very cool and revolutionary car that is 
solar and electricity run the even the motor is in the like wheels and the battery is a lot thinner and smaller so it's just like like the most efficient options we can make it's a totally re-envisioning of cars like right mm-hmm. i'm not going to go into it but the point of that's a good yeah it, that was a good cook yeah yeah cool the point of it was that like even being able to a really good like we can't even right now make it so that a solar panel can share energy across a panel if it's not hit all at the same time, right? So that was one of his mm-hmm. first projects. So if a solar panel, like on the back of a car, is bent, is curved, the light is going to hit it differently. Mm-hmm. The light is going to hit this part of the, the top part of the car and the side part of the car at a different angle, it's going, one of those throughout the day is going to be less efficient. Mm -hmm. We don't have the tech yet, except for that, like, that's what he helped develop so that when solar energy is hitting one part of a solar panel, when the sun's hitting one part of a solar panel differently than another part of the solar panel, that the whole solar panel can still effectively take in the same amount of energy. Mm-hmm. It, that's just a way to increase that efficiency. So this technology is totally in its infancy. It is growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how uh, Sam Avery in this book talks about how that will be able to meet our needs in the future. But in the beginning, solar panels were only available to rich folks. Right. They were the early adopters because they could afford to be. They could afford it. And like he talks about, I I like how he talks about accesses because he talks about it like in, he is very clear that having the ego around what you can afford like isn't, isn't productive. And that when you're, when you can afford something and then you're like, I have solar panels. Mm. Like it's not an effective way to to operate, but like having, Whoa. but realizing, Whoa. oh yes, maybe in Greece. <laughs> but like not having, effective. <laughs> not effective. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but that like those those people that when you can af- when you can afford it that you should realize that like you are making it possible for future generations to have access mm-hmm. to this technology right yeah which that was an interesting point that he he mentioned something like for every person who you know was an early adopter of social p- solar panels um it then made those solar panel production companies able to produce things more affordably. Like the people who paid the higher price at the beginning allowed for them to make things more efficiently or make things Mm -hmm. more affordable down the line. And like every time with every like new shift of people who can now afford it, it's, it's like, like kind of trickling down in a way. Right. Um, Right. And that's still, that's still a reality, you know? Right. There's kind of, yeah, but there's like, there's no way around that. You know, there's, that's always going to be the case. I suppose, until cities are able and willing to 
you know, create their own systems to subsidize, uh, you know, yep. for different areas of lower income or creating something that is like community held and run and, and something that isn't individually bought and paid for. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I was just talking, yeah. we were just talking about it. Like I feel like as Dandelion gets more successful and as we are able to grow as a business and like just in our, in my partnership, in our house and in our household and in our family, as we grow that I feel more responsible. I feel like we should be more responsible for being shepherds of the world we want to live in. That makes sense to me. Yeah. What doesn't make sense to me is this idea that like, I just get money and then it's mine and then I don't do anything with it and <laughs> fuck everybody else. Like that is, that is just not. Yeah. I don't under, I've never understood that principle. Me neither. Right. Yeah. Right. It's such a weird, what need are they fulfilling? Like if you already have a billion dollars, like, does it really, is that how you get your rocks off is like by looking at your bank account? Yeah. Even a couple, a million or so, like there are. If I had a few thousand dollars in my bank account, like, (laughs) Like if I had five figures in my bank account, I'd be like, all right, I'm that I'm, I'm at that level where I feel where a lot of people never make it to. I feel more responsible as a steward for the life that the future, I think our, our planet deserves. And I think like, that's a big part of this book and the, Mm -hmm. and like something that I feel like is really important for us to to think about and to migrate to as a society that we're just not, we're not there yet. But like, I think that is an important shift that needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, to some extent that is sort of what's happening with, you know, with conscious consumerism and with sustainable brands in general, is that like, they are a little bit more expensive than their traditional alternatives, but that's because they're not utilizing, you know, <laughs> unfair practices to cut their prices, mm-hmm. right? So the, but the folks that are kind of the early adopters of a lot of those, that those products are folks with more, uh, I guess, what's the word? Expendable income? Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I liked that he was conscious of kind of making that point too, where it was like, you know, for folks that are worried, that, that are very realistically dealing with things on a month by month basis where you don't know necessarily if you're going to have like enough money to pay rent, like you're not really, if you're forced to choose between two items, you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to buy the more expensive one because in the long run, it'll like, mm-hmm. like that, that's, that's, and that's just a fact that we, that we, yeah, we can't expect folks to make the more sustainable choice at that point in their life when, when there right. are, you know, when money is unstable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Right. Which but is in a- time, it becomes more and more of just kind of a standard or like, yeah, mm-hmm. or, or something that is or- more financially access- is accessible. Right. And it also like sustainability for in our version of sustainability, our definition of sustainability, we include fair trade and fair pay. So as, as sustainability becomes more accessible and more, more normalized, like then the products, the price of the products will go down. Mm -hmm. And as sustainability, even in, in our definition, becomes more the norm, the pay of people will increase. Mm-hmm. So really what we're working towards is this like boring balance of, yeah. of, of fair living between humans and also the planet and also like this space that we're in. And for some reason... People are like mad about that. That is, yeah, it, it's some like deep seated capitalism. Pull my myself up by my bootstraps. I don't care about my neighbor type thing. It's it's very problematic way of thinking, and yeah. that we've gotten to here in the in the states, but would- a lot of Western. A lot of Western, but I would also say that you can care about your neighbor and pull yourself up by your bootstraps at the same time, Mm. you know? Absolutely. But I, yeah, those are just two things that often go hand in hand. True. Um, Right. Individualistic way of, of, of viewing the world where everything is focused on me trying to raise my status. Right. Whatever cost, you know? Right. Um, It's ugly. Just a weird thing. Yeah. I, yeah. Something, <laughs> I, don't something know what they're, I don't know what they're trying to prove and who they're trying to prove it to, but it's a bunch of yeah. BS. Being an ugly asshole will never make you happy, no matter how much money you make. Yeah. That's like, that's like one of the number one things you learn from like Disney movies and shit or like right? Scrooge. Right? Scrooge? And did anybody see Scrooge? Excuse <laughs> me. Don't you know? Yeah, no, it's 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 true. Yet it's still such a part of of this kind of old way of thinking. Um, yeah, and it's a huge part of this issue. It is because those are the folks that are reluctant to change, um, and they are the folks with the most power. Like, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of people that have power and with power, with money comes power and with power comes money. And it's this like stupid cycle mm-hmm. and they are so reluctant to share that, that like they don't do things like invest in solar or invest in renewables. And, and in my mind, they're, they're choosing not to invest in global equality because so much of renewables is based on this idea of like energy democracy, like we talked about, or like decentralizing energy, yeah. which you can't do with fossil fuels because it has to it has to come from a single place. It's like the cheapest way to do it is like it goes to a single place and then it and then it's disseminated. But that's not the case with renewables. So so 
it feels to me like these people in power that don't, they just don't want to, they just don't want to give up any level of Mm -hmm. give to make things more equal, Mm -hmm. which is a damn shame. Like, but it's so strange because it's like at no point is that going to make them as an individual less anything less powerful less like like you know it doesn't doesn't. like that like what are they afraid of actually right I don't know that answer and yeah before we started recording we were talking about like you know it's like even if you like uh, remove the conversation about climate change as an ecological global disaster right. <laughs> reality, potential reality <laughs> climate denial <laughs> is true <laughs> like right if you even take that out of the equation there are still a ton of people who are, are like adamant supporters of the fossil fuel industry but like <laughs> it's a it's a fact that that is a finite resource that we're right. getting to the bottom of Right. Like, bro, you're fighting for a lost cause. And not only that, but it's like not just powerful people, right? Powerful people with money, they're going to be able to afford fossil fuels longer because Mm -hmm. eventually we're going to run out. Demand is going to be the same. And then the price will skyrocket. And then poor people will be like, it's not fair. And rich people will be like, I'm living my life. Cool. More Mm -hmm. separation of wealth. Cool. That's fuck that. But like, it's actually gonna, and then even then it will go away after that. Right. Like there. What then? Yeah. No sense. What do you, right. I don't know what they think is gonna happen, which is interesting. I know somebody who actually works in the oil industry. So this is, maybe I'll ask him. Bound to probably be a, somewhat of a contentious point. <laughs> I don't mean it to. I'm just curious, you know. Send a text like, "Yo, he's just like, curious. what the hell are you guys gonna do when there's no more oil?" Like, yeah, JW, what's what's up with this uh, end of oil situation? Right, is that talked about in your guys's meetings? <laughs> like, <laughs> it should be. It should be. Yeah. Oh, are but- you like? Yeah. Planning on changing your career soon. You will have to. It's very interesting. Um yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So that's like that's 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 what right. I think is so challenging about this. And I guess that's what I I got so kind of like overwhelmed by this book because it's like on a personal level, I don't know how to convince someone to care about other people if they don't by default. Right. And that is what we need for this. Is moment. it? Is it? Like, I think that's a, kind of the basis of, of like. Yeah, but he also talks about how not everybody is going to be a part of it. It's, it's, but there are people out there that, that do want to live in this type of community. And it's about 
finding those people and making groups out of them more than it is about arguing with people because yeah, you can't make somebody care about some other people. You just can't, but there's enough people out there that do care that are kind of like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. That we can like, all of us can like get together and like try to start enacting change. Like it can just take two or three people and then that can grow. But because in general, those people that don't care about other people, like they're fucked anyway. Yeah. That's, I guess that's true. Right. Like it's like, like they're, yeah. And the and reality there's is no strength in the, to the movement by convincing them. And now they're okay. Now we're like one person stronger, but it, yeah, if it's, like it has right. to be passionate people, I suppose, that are leading. Right. Because yeah. they're fucked anyway. We're all fucked anyway. Like there is, that's the, that's the thing is like, we <laughs> literally, like we have no choice y'all like right. climate change or no climate change. Climate change is a big fucking problem, but like with, even without it, we can't go a day. Like most of our society will die if we ran out of fossil fuels tomorrow. Yeah. Like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot. This is like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. It is a very real crisis that's like on the horizon. Um, re- re- yeah. But it. No matter what. Climate change. Right. Yeah. So do, maybe we try to change the focus to just like like climate change is part of it but like the human focus needs to be on fossil fuel divestment i Uh think that's kind of this because climate change is we talked about earlier it's it's a lag indicator of like the shit we've done there's like 20 what the effect we're seeing now was caused 20 years ago Mm -hmm. so we need to we need to think about it that way in in this in these types of conversations but i think in the conversations where it's like how do you get people to care you get them to care about themselves right like you are not going to be able to turn your light on your refrigerator no i've been living without a freezer for the past eight months and i can tell you right now it sucks Hmm. like just just that one thing like i don't have a freezer and it fucking sucks and like you try to just be like, hey, if you if you want to keep refrigerated food, we should probably have a conversation about where your energy source is coming from. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. If it's more like, let's talk about the luxuries in which you feel so yeah. tied. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Right. How can we can how can we make sure that you continue to have right clean water? Like some of it's it's a lot of it's not even luxury. It's just like you can't the necessities, right? Food, right? Most of your food. (laughs) You're gonna grow your own food. I actually am gonna try to grow my own food, but like in general, we're yeah. This our society isn't prepared to go back to the times where we were growing our own food and like, yeah. we can't we can't sustain what we're doing right now and i think like to the point of how to get somebody to care about other people we don't have to do that we just need to like tap into their base 
yeah. care of themselves, which yeah. is exactly what the fossil fuel industry does and all their bullshit pop propaganda. So basically we just need to like study fossil fuel propaganda over the past 30 years and just, just say the same thing in true language. <laughs> Yeah, you we know? could. Yeah, I mean, now that they've been running this propaganda game for so long, we've got a pretty good like uh, framework just, for yeah. what's worked to changing we'll public opinion. We'll just do a case study and then we'll just change their words. Yeah. <laughs> control and- F, control V. <laughs> control- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he makes a really good point, right? And this goes back to this point that he makes is it's not renewable energy versus fossil fuel energy, actually. It's renewable energy versus no energy. Yeah, that was a really good point that he, yeah, it's true. Like, we will have to adapt to this. I also love that he was like, we are going to have to adapt. We're going to have to make a transition. Yeah. We're going to have to how much we transition right now will make it easier when we're out of fossil fuels, when we literally can't use them anymore. So we can either go like going along, do, 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 and then just kind of have like a hard transitionary switch, or we can just like basically fucking fall off a cliff. That's, those are our two options that we have right now. That's our reality. We can build a bridge or not. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I do think that this book would be a good read for someone who was getting, who was just sort of interested in better understanding, um, why we need to move away from fossil fuels yeah i think it was a good yeah um and then also how yeah to to some extent right and um and how these things have been done in the past to to create kind of these overarching yeah massive societal structure changes Mm -hmm. right I like the focus on the actual issues. Actually, there's this whole part. It's on, I don't know what chapter it's in because we listened to it. And one of my big issues with audio books is that there's no, like, a lot of times it just says track, like the tracks aren't labeled. So I don't know where I am in the book. Right. They announce the chapters, but they don't match with the with the description of like the playlist it's essentially Mm -hmm. like a playlist and it's just like track one two three Mm -hmm. it's not my favorite thing if you're ever going to do an audiobook make sure your tracks are labeled really nice just have them correspond to chapters of the book yeah but sometimes like a book is broken into multiple or a chapter is broken into multiple tracks or like an introduction right and an epilogue that's fine make that yeah whatever okay Okay. anyway (laughs) anyway, just name your damn tracks um anyway so track six like 15 minutes into track six of this book 
he gives like a what if we what if we just did it what if we were just like what if there wasn't a reason if there wasn't a fossil fuel shortage if there wasn't a climate change problem like and we just and and if if we get to a place we'd stop fossil fuels and we realize that like it was stupid to do that because fossil fuels don't actually cause climate change what if what if mm-hmm. he was like you know what would stop roadside pollution black lung from the like he, <laughs> like this he just made this like long ass list of things that would just be better that just mm-hmm. wouldn't happen like there is no downside to making this transition to renewable energy except for our discomfort maybe for a short time while we're in this transition right but we need that transition anyway so we should just start the transition now so that in 30 years when we don't have a choice. When it's a make or break. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Right. I liked that his time frame was realistic. Like, yeah, he definitely gave some, like, he was like, yep, we're going to do, this is a hundred percent boycott of fossil fuels in entirely, you know, but it wasn't like tomorrow. You know? Yeah. So it's like, and that's what people need to understand because it doesn't, it's not so black or white. Like, yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I did, I did appreciate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when you make big changes in your life, that's when you should make big changes away from fossil fuels mm-hmm. is what he was saying. Like we have a, we have an old car and Tom and I have talked about several times that when we get a new car, we will get an electric car. Mm-hmm. Our house mm-hmm. is currently run on gas, but we want to change that and run it on electric. And actually, we want to run heating on geothermal, like on on. Uh, he talked about it in the book. It's uh, water. What is it? Hydroelectric. Um, Wait. It's not hydroelectric. It's because the 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 ground, like five feet under the ground, it starts at around. Uh, 55 degrees Fahrenheit it like stays that temperature so you use that to like keep a constant temperature in your house okay yeah um heat pump it's called um we want to use like heat pump to for our heating Mm. which is actually a huge investment right now but we are in that place where we're like okay do we make a huge investment right now Right. To make this cheaper in the long run, to help with this technology that's cheaper in the long run. Right. But it, you are at that point where you are making that decision because you're rebuilding the house from the ground up, essentially. Right. <laughs> so like- and, We're and making it, the big change because we're making a big change. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like, yeah, he definitely- you know, made the point where like, he's not saying you need to go and move because maybe your house isn't ideal for- putting solar panels on it right now mm-hmm. um or like you don't need to go out and like buy everything new today which is right. definitely something that we yeah we also fully <laughs> have, have <laughs> like talked about that sentiment because yeah it's 
Yeah, don't just be like, um, my shit's not sustainable. So I'm going to throw everything away and get sustainable stuff. Right, right. You missed the point. You missed the point. Right. Um, And I liked that because it was more, yeah, it's like, do it as you can as these things arise in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I, yeah, same. Like I, next time I get a car, it'll most likely be, I would like it to be an electric car. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably not going to be too far away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, it, but I'm, I'm not going to go out and do that right now. Cause that's not, cause my car is doing just fine, you know, but I, and I don't even really Prius. use it. I don't even use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You also have a Prius. So like pretty, pretty <laughs> fishy. Prius. No, that's what I said. What? But what you have right now is pretty efficient. Oh, it is fairly efficient. Yes. It's not a Prius, but it's fairly efficient. Yes. Why did I think you drive a Prius? What do you drive? I have no idea. I drive a little Hyundai hatchback. It's a gas car. It's not, it's not a Prius. I don't know why you thought I drove a Prius. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but I've had it. Yeah. I mean, it's almost fully paid off. Like it, yeah, it's in really good shape. Cause I literally don't really ever go anywhere. I don't really drive it. Um, and I'm lucky to live in a place where everything is within a few miles, you know, like, I, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's quite different. Yeah. My lifestyle is quite different from a lot of, a lot of people. If you were like commuting and stuff like that, like, yeah, but right. But all of these things are factors in how you make those consumer decisions, right? It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I understand that, you know, my my car's carbon out, output isn't much of a factor. Like, I could definitely make other changes in my life that would more positively benefit my carbon footprint than mm-hmm. my car right now. Yeah. Right. Like meat. I think that's a big one. That, that was one that, like, I definitely, I eat meat. I eat meat fairly often. Yep. And that's something I'm, I'm going to reconsider or try to, you know, kind of just incorporate more plant-based meals or get more comfortable with more plant-based meals. And it's not a thing that I need to start tomorrow. It's not a thing that I'm like, okay, now I'm vegan. But to right. some people, that is a choice that you can, you can right. make, right? I'm somebody who wants to make changes in my life a little bit more gradually. Mm-hmm. I'm never, and I agree with you. I probably won't ever be fully vegetarian or fully vegan, but I, I'm also a big believer that it is possible to have a sustainable meat option. Yeah. I know that it is possible. I also know that we're not doing it in as a society. Yeah. So we've made the active decision that when we buy meat, it is, it is the biological meat. It is grass fed. We do pay, we pay, uh, we pay extra, like in the Netherlands, it's a lot extra um, yeah. because we want to make that source more accessible in the future. We right. want, and we don't want to give money to people that don't do it the right way. You know, Yeah, that's another big part of it. Also food waste is huge. Yeah. What I love about the grocery stores here that I've never seen before is that there is a bin that they keep at a certain part of the store that they put all the food in that will um, go bad in the next like two days. Mm -hmm. And they seriously discount it. 
So we go there looking for bio meat because we want to, we don't want the specifically meat to go bad. Bio meat is organic there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Biologie. Biologie. Something like that. <laughs> Listen, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I think they only have that well at my grocery store just for produce. Like this a produce super- is also in there. Yeah. There's like anything in that bucket, there's anything that is packaged. Okay. Goes in that bucket. I mean, they're produce. Like discount the stuff that's about to expire. Like um I, yeah. Yeah. A, rather than throwing it away yeah yeah it and that that kind of stuff makes a huge difference like it's a small thing but it like those are the things that matter and that's what makes it so difficult because it's a global issue that is only changed by making these like small changes like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get this bio meat that i have to eat today rather than this meat that like isn't made isn't grown sustainably or sourced well yeah. you know or Factory like I'm farms, gonna buy, terrible carbon emissions yeah yeah or i'm gonna buy the vegetables not in plastic that mm-hmm. are a little bit more expensive from um the farm store rather than going to get the plastic wrapped peppers or whatever like those types of things makes make a huge difference right right we just, yeah, in community, they make a big difference. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because it's like, because when people start to see that other people are making those changes, it becomes easier for them to be like, oh, okay. Like for someone who's like on the fence or like a little bit, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I don't want to be the one that's like saying, Hey, Hey, don't bag my stuff in plastic. You know? Yeah. Like I brought, I brought my own or whatever, like seeing more people do it. Yeah. Makes it easier for you to yep. not feel like the, you know, the one. Yeah. And he talks about that. Yeah. in this book he talks the the whole last part is him basically being like we're weird we're weird stay weird <laughs> he's yeah. the weirdo because that's because you're you're doing it for yeah. the, for everybody you know and i really liked that he was like yep we're weird but my community is getting old and we need young and what we can do now is pass this on to the next generation which i think they've done a pretty good job at actually but like Mm-hmm. and we are the old weirdos and we're bringing up the new weirdos and we're all just like commiserating in weirdness together and it's so cool <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i guess that's yeah that's how it starts right yeah just find your local weirdos that also want to save the planet and uh do it yeah I mean everybody's gonna be yeah facing something a little bit different right like yeah maybe maybe in your area it is like finding a community of people who could invest in solar panels for for everybody and like Mm -hmm. then you have some sort of a community owned and operated energy system which is not not impossible by any means and something that I think that your community would probably super embrace here 
it maybe be is like you know showing folks that they could buy things that aren't wrapped in plastic or teaching mm-hmm. people how to better recycle things like that like yeah i think that every right, area it's is, a issue. Yeah, yeah every area is going to have a different thing that their people that you know is yeah, that you, you can identify that people need help better understanding or making that change, right? So. Right, and it, it's up to us to make those local choices and solve those local problems and then do that and then work together to bring those those solutions global. Yeah. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> we have 30 years, but we've got to start today. That's a whole so. generation. That means that everybody that, that has a baby this year needs to teach that baby that fossil fuel <laughs> that they that they shouldn't use fossil fuels. Make your baby listen to boycott fossil fuels <laughs> by Sam Avery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Play it to them in your belly. In utero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In all seriously, no, I'm sorry, I made a joke. Seriously, though, I'm totally. uh, Tom's brother just had a baby, and I'm definitely gonna teach that kid how to be a ecological weirdo. Yeah, yeah, and I I honestly think that like even like the generation after us, like Gen whatever Z, you know, is even more progressive than than we are. Like absolutely, should be, yeah, and so. Yeah, I, 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 I have hope for sure. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, we've just, I mean, essentially the, this, this movement, this, like this anti-fossil fuel movement has to find a way to better market itself to people who um, don't want to change. Right. And it's just kind of marketing. Yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah. so now we need to, we need to go about talking to them in a different way. We, mm-hmm. And the movement has to find different voices that that folks will resonate with. Yeah. Hey, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't trying to really get there, but yes, no, but it's, it's right. true though. That is true. Yeah, that's what that's what dandelion is dedicated to. Right? Mm-hmm. Is like marketing for sustainable brands, like bringing and bringing sustainability into the mainstream part of society right right and it's messaging yeah it's yeah it's finding a way for to hit on those pain points like you mentioned like to get folks to see that this way that we're living right now is not sustainable and if they don't make changes there will be consequences that are outside of anyone's control right and maybe it's even it's even removing the word sustainable from that message because totally yeah that's a, because sustainable is a social cause word <laughs> but like but in in the way you were using it, it was sustainable as in like possible in yeah. the future like yes, a, exactly. like the yeah. actual definition of sustainable not yeah, it cannot be con- sustained yes it cannot be right you cannot continue to do it not right. as then I'm banning you from doing it because you're an asshole i'm saying that you will not be able to exactly yeah how do we get that point across because that's what the word sustainable means but like it is so it has such a a context to it yeah 
Yeah. And we have to remove that like hippie. We have to, we have to find a new language that, that doesn't have this like hippie, like love everybody change. Yeah. That somebody Bye. from middle America, more conservative wouldn't feel immediately turned off by. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is something that the movement I think is struggling with. I think it's, it's, and, and we have, yeah, I think that it's realistic to have to focus on a way to kind of rebrand in some ways. And, um, mm-hmm. rebranding sustainability, <laughs> Jesus, but you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. I mean, we, we have to outsmart who we're fighting against and they're the best marketers in the world. The fucking they, yeah, they created marketing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. It's pretty wild, but it um it's exciting. This book hope. feels exciting. Yeah. I feel really excited by this like hope here and this like truth and kind of a plan and kind of an idea and a community and and also he had this, he shared this vision he had that like, I've had similar visions where, of like standing at a tree line. Have you ever stood at like, this isn't his words, it's mine now, mm. but have you ever stood at a tree line at dusk and you can like look up and on um, one side you can see all the trees and on the other side it's clear cut like not specifically clear cut but kind like of a i have had a curious like a- yeah that's i've had a, some some sort of an experience then like that yeah 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 where you just and he he said it so brilliantly it's the very very last part of the book and it is like one sentence but it's just it resonated with me so strongly because in my childhood home we have a fire pit that we used to we have fires at all the time and it's right at the edge of our land so uh not the edge of our land actually at the edge of our of the forest on our land and like so there's our house and our yard and then we have like a, a an acre of yard and then we have several acres of forest that we just let be forest and in the in the like dusky evening when you're watching the, like the smoke come up and the for and the wind is blowing and the forest is dark but it feels alive against the sky that is not black yet it it feels like you're you're standing at like the the forest is standing at attention it like waiting for something to come and it's easy to imagine especially as an environmentalist that it's like the front line and that you are standing at the front line of an army and like I've had, and he he talks about this feeling in in this at the end of this book, and I I was like whoa because I've never talked to somebody else that that has had like that vision besides like sitting around the campfire when I was a 
freaking like teen preteen teenager yeah. and this feeling started and it just I felt like it feels to me like the, I mean that was the time that I decided to be a steward of the planet because you look and you see this like beautiful big canopies and treetops and then just nothing against the sky and it's so beautiful but you can it feels like the forest is waiting like mm. the forest knows that something is coming and you can like get that in those dusky connector thinly veiled hours mm. and and that he like brought that up made me feel like he has had that moment where he's like i'm a steward for this planet i i will fight for this planet i'm i'm in front of this now i will stand in front of this forest because he said what they're looking at is chainsaws and and groups of of people that without with veiled faces that you like their faces blended with the crowd and you can't you can't see them it's just destruction and chainsaws and 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 buildings and you know bulldozers they don't stand a chance without us standing in front of the forest like the forest doesn't stand a chance mm -hmm. yeah it's cool that was cool to That's like connect stuff. yeah Yeah. it's up to us it it is it is we have to be on those front lines we have to be the steward that we say we'll be you know or that we are trying to be every day yeah yeah hmm. well yeah gosh it um so you would highly recommend this book I imagine I definitely would yeah yeah I would too I yeah I didn't I mean just because you have to it, be dedicated I think yeah. you, have to be, you have to be dedicated but I highly recommend it if you feel dedicated yeah 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 so that's a bit about the carbon boycott um yeah let's see um we're gonna continue talking about the renewable transition um, next, next week. week. Yep. yep, we're trying to get uh, potentially somebody lined up so we can interview them, but nothing is solidified yet. So yeah, we'd love to have a visitor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's um everybody's busy all the time, but that's yeah. We'll see hopefully but if not we'll be back again next week to talk more yeah yeah so um if you like this video then please subscribe and join us on this journey of learning more about these issues and uh better understanding what we're facing here yeah and how to make it better yeah mm -hmm. cool yeah all right Bye, everyone thanks for watching <laughs> bye bye Thank uh you. -huh.